Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Later on today... Episode 7 of Grizz Greats, The Coaching Tree. This one, a big one. Literally, Larry Kristoviak going to be uh, on that one. We will play a little bit of that for you later on. Coulter, Northern Arizona right now 12-5 and five in women's basketball. They'll be playing the Lady Grizz in Missoula on Thursday and then Montana State in what uh, will be a 1v2 matchup, uh, even though Montana State's already sewed up the league title. Uh, going to be a, 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 an exciting game, an interesting game to watch and see how competitive it is in Bozeman on Saturday. But Northern Arizona's come a long way uh, with Lori Payne as their head coach now in her third year. She's going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. We've talked a lot about the guys' race, and I think because Montana State has been out in front in the women's basketball side of the Big Sky Conference, they've been out in front from basically the duration of the race, right. and they've already clinched with two weekends left, which in itself is ridiculous. And since the league moved to a 20-game schedule, there hasn't been a team that's won 19 games. Yeah. That's in the mix for Montana State with four games left. They're 15-1, or 14-1, excuse me. No, they're 15-1. This this uh, standings I'm looking at has not been updated. So they're 15-1 overall. But then you look at NAU is alone in second. I think that that is the pleasant surprise of the league on either side. I don't think anybody expected NAU to be alone in second, entering the second-to-last weekend of the year. We got Idaho. And Idaho State, who, in my opinion, have the two best coaches outside of the state of Montana and the, maybe the two best coaches in the league, period, in John Newley at Idaho and Seton Sobolewski at Idaho State. The, Idaho's 11-5, Idaho State's 11-6. and six, But all of a sudden here, Montana, the Lady Grizz, who I think we thought had an inside track at this thing, is sitting there at, tied with Southern Utah at 9-7 and seven for fifth place with several 
big games in front of them. And the Lady Grizz host NAU on Thursday. That's a huge game. Host Sac State. Sac State's down this year. They're only 6-11 and 11 in conference, and Montana handled them earlier this year. So you have to assume that would be a pretty easy win on their home mm-hmm. court, especially for senior night for several different Lady Grizz. But then they got to hit the road. And Southern Utah is no longer a shoe-in victory like it used to be. Southern Utah women's basketball used to be not good, but they've also, I mean, they eliminated the Lady Grizz from the tournament last year, and that was kind of one of the first steps they've taken towards turning the corner under Tracy Saunders. She's done a great job down there at a place that used to just be a complete dead end. So the Southern Utah-Montana game next week is going to be huge, and the Northern Colorado, they won in Missoula, even though they're only 7-9. and nine. They are the reigning league champions, and they already have a win under their belts against Montana. So it's not smooth sailing here down the stretch for Lady Grizz. They still have four tough games, and it's by no means just a lock that they're going to get a top five seed. That's the goal of the program, but they still have a lot of work to do. The uh, the 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 women's conference or the women's standings are much more stratified than the men's, whereas there's a couple at the top and then everybody in the middle on the men's side. Montana State's up in front of everybody else. Then there's three teams, Northern Arizona, Idaho, and Idaho State, who are all within a game of one another, two through four, and presumably they're going to be able to carry in some order those two through four seeds. So what you have is one final by slot left, the fifth and final by slot, which right now, Southern Utah and Montana both are nine and seven. And and even for that, Northern Colorado is seven and nine. So they're actually two games behind with four to go. So even though they do have that win, like you said, they're they got a lot they got a lot of uphill sledding. Right now, it's it's kind of a two team let's just say it's a two team race so then Utah and Montana who mm-hmm. are both 9 and 7 for that fifth and final bye mm-hmm. last game of the regular season the Lady Grizz in Cedar City at Southern Utah. I mean, what what a, a, a way this is setting up in terms of what the matchup you know could turn out to be in that game. And Southern Utah has been absolutely lights out at home. I mean, they're eleven and two on their home court, and so I mean, in league play, they're six and two. So they've been able to stack wins at home. Certainly, the good news for the Lady Grizz is that Montana already has a win against uh, uh, Southern Utah, uh, eighty-one seventy-four. In January, early January is the second, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it was the second game of the so year, it'll be right? a, a long time. That's the weird thing about this schedule is you would think it would kind of go, you'd go 1 through 10 and then play 1 through 10 again, but this is kind of bookended. So a lot of changes happening, whether it's progression, degression, you know, all that stuff, you want to get better through the course of the year. Well, we'll find out which team has done that. And obviously, like you said, the change of venue, it matters for the Lady Thunderbirds a ton. They play they play much better at home. Well, it's like when Montana men played Portland State this two, two times in the span of two weeks. A lot of times you get the same team as you saw two weeks ago or relatively the same. Whereas when, you know, you've played – 15 conference games since you play each other, the presumption is that both teams will be different, and the pres- the hope is that both teams will be better, but that's not always the case. But, you know, I, I interviewed Travis Takir earlier today, and we'll share that interview with you later on this week, but he was talking about NAU. I mean, Brooks DeBishop's one of NAU's best players. He didn't play yeah. the first time around. Well, now he's yeah. back. And so that is a whole different scout. It's just like when Montana played Portland State in men's. Matt Hauser and Sal Nuhu were out in Missoula, and they were back. So all of a sudden, it's a truly, it's a different team. So you just wonder where the Southern Utah and Montana programs are at when they play the last game of the season, basically bookending the league schedule, 19 right. games apart. But this is where it comes down to then who's playing well lately, who's getting better lately. And when you look at Southern Utah, they've won five out of their last six to pull into this 9-7 and seven spot. Rebecca Cardenas is one of the most explosive and exciting players in the Big Sky Conference. So Montana's got a, a, their hands full down the stretch here. I mean, NAU coming to Missoula, 
Thursday, it's a huge game. It's a huge game for a lot of different reasons. Um, Lori Payne is a Montana native from Haver. She'll join us here in just a moment. She she will surely be ready to roll. Yeah, coaching in Missoula and actually coaching for something for the first time in in her three seasons. Yeah. Shannon Schwain uh, has a lot to protect here as for in t- terms of protecting their home court. The Lady Grizz have been great on their home court, with the exception of against Montana State, basically. But can they protect home court because they're going to need to because they have three pivotal games down the stretch here out of their last four. No question. And I guess the thing, too, when you take a look at Southern Utah, they have a very interesting run here, too. They play Eastern Washington at Eastern Washington. That's been basically a scheduled win this season for right. anybody playing the, the the Eagles on the women's side. Then they play the University of Idaho, who's a very good team and has still got something to play for. Yep. And that's going to be a tough team to beat you know, on the road. So you could, you know, if you wanted to play the odds, you'd say, well, it's one and one right there. And then, of course, the Montana swing, even though it's in Cedar City, they play Montana State in Cedar City on the second to last game of the season. And obviously MSU's won 11 in a row as the conference champions. Does that something that where they, you know, maybe take it easy or whatever, but that the tendency is to think not. And so, you know, if you're Montana and you're tied with Southern Utah, Southern Utah's got two team, two games against the best, a couple of the best teams in the conference, and they have one game against one of the worst teams in the conference, and then it's that matchup. So can Montana go in there and, you know, have a, have an opportunity at the end? The odds say that they will, and it also looks like that game is going to be for a whole lot. I mean, that could be uh, effectively the first playoff game of this of this run. want to remind you, too, that game is a Friday in Cedar City because right. the women's tournament the starts following Monday. week starts early. So they move up the last week of games instead of being Thursday, Saturday, they're Wednesday, Friday to right. get, you know, those things out of the way. And so that's, you know, that's an important deal. Coulter, I don't know about you, but anymore, I just imagine the internet like taking a walk in the park. What do I mean by that? Well, basically anybody can watch me all the time because I'm in the most public of places, no matter what it is that I'm doing. Even if I'm sitting at uh, a, a restaurant talking and my phone sitting there, I assume the president's listening to me because this is the level of paranoia I've got. If I ever had a business that had to function online, I don't know what I would do. Actually, yes, I do. I would be completely secure with Blackfoot Communications because I know at least they know how to keep this thing locked, secured, and private for me as a business owner. Your level of paranoia is certainly concerning, but also in some ways justified because this day and age, you do have to keep yourself safe. We have electronic tracking devices in our pockets. We're on the computer all the time, and you never know when the bad guys might come to get your information and all sorts of other things as well. Blackfoot certainly has you covered when it comes to keeping you secure. At Blackfoot Communications, they do deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup, all of it for businesses across the great state of Montana. They ensure your company's network is online, all the time. Safe, secure, and running as it needs to be. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. It's two tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Want to tell you now, while we have a second, the bracket challenge is forthcoming, boys and girls. We are so pumped up about this every single year. I mean, what's better than the NCAA tournament? Just about nothing. And, you know, for all of the things that we can, you know, talk about, about the money and the administration and the, you know, over, you know, overseeing it of, uh, you know, the NCAA and all that, 
How fun is it? I mean, it's as fun as it absolutely gets. We got prizes for you. We are going to host the Two Tell Nuanas Bracket Challenge at ESPN.com. We will put together uh, the the page, the link for that. You can sign up for that, and we'll let you know when. It's not live yet, but it will be live before Selection Sunday. You can get into these leagues and set your you know have have your entries in uh, uh, you know well before you can actually pick teams. So we will set that up for you. But we are excited because both Paradise Falls and Aspen Sound. And us here at the station, we're yep. going to have stuff for We're going to have huge prize packages for you. You're going to have, uh, well, you're basically going to have a season pass to Paradise Falls. Uh, that's, that's right. So good. first place is going to yeah. get $250 voucher from Paradise Falls. Second place is going to get $150. And third place is going to get 100 And then Aspen Sound, same deal, $250, $150, and 100 I mean, So we're giving you almost $1,000 in prizes my, from those two people. So you can either... You can go grub, you can go drink, you can go enjoy yourself, Paradise Falls, and then you can go get your windows tinted or go get an internal sound system or maybe get your right. boat all decked out for summer. And we're going to have stuff for you as well, but it's a lot of fun, it, you know, regardless of whether you're one, two, three to do, and so uh, be on the lookout for that. We go now to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line, and we do now welcome in the head coach of the Northern Arizona women's basketball team, Lori Payne. Lori, thank you so much for being with us. How are you? Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Well, we're, we're certainly happy to have you, and I got a lot that I want to talk to you about. You are in the Montana Hall of Fame, High School Hall of Fame. I have her native. You go down there. You're the number two team in the Big Sky Conference. But what do I care? I went to Pacific Lutheran University. You coached at UPS, so we got problems. Lord, you know I mean? <laughs> we do, apparently. I mean, we my can't goodness. get on the same page. You know, I texted my good friend, Justin Lunt, who I know you know well, and I said, what do I need to know about Lori? He said, she's my best friend friend you be sweet to her and she's a hell of a coach so you got his recommendation so i guess that's good with me too well i appreciate that justin's a good one one of the best out there um Lori, you you are in your third season at nau and you've been building this thing and building this thing and here you are in year three you're the number two team in the big sky conference what has it been like to see the progression of this team and now here you are you know with just a couple of games left in this season gonna have a bye in the tournament you know certainly and and uh and and really a team that has something to prove and is looking to make a run in this thing yeah, I mean, that that's the plan. You know, it's it's been a challenging couple of years just really trying to, to build a program from the ground up. Um, but we're sitting in a place where, you know, we finally have the right players in. We finally have the right foundation built. Um, we've been able to, to change a culture and completely turn it 180. And, you know, I think things are really starting to, to come to fruition because of all those changes. Um, and we're just excited. You know, we, we finally have a little bit more of an experienced group. We had been playing with freshmen and sophomores the last couple of years. So they're finally juniors, which, um, you know, I think they're starting to, to show their maturity a little bit. And just having been in the program for two years, I feel like things are really starting to flow. And we're just excited. You know, we're excited to be in a position where we can contend. And we've been saying it from the beginning, like we want to contend for it this year. And if we put in the work, you know, the results will, will come. And they certainly have as of late. Lori, hey, Coulter Nuana is here. Thanks so much for joining us. I've covered Big Sky Women's Basketball for about 15 years now, and NAU, they've had a great football program. They've had some success in men's basketball, but it seemed like any building of any sort of tradition or success has eluded NAU. They had the one great year where they went to the NCAA tournament, but other than that, not a lot of tradition there when you inherited this job. What were some of the biggest challenges you initially faced, especially when it comes to building a winning culture? Yeah, I mean, it, it was challenging. You know, they, they hadn't gone since that year to 2006. So it's been a while. Um, and I think, you know, it's tough. It's tough to change a mindset from 
a team that is just used to losing. I think people get so used to winning just the same as so used to losing. And, you know, to come in and really just try to, to change that mindset, I, I was in a pretty good position because it, it was pretty much a cleaned house. You know, a bunch of kids had transferred that year um, right before I came and a bunch of kids had graduated. So I really got to start from scratch. Um, which meant we had a, a big freshman class. We had opportunities to go out and recruit a lot of transfer kids, which, you know, you're seeing now those, those kids are all juniors. And, you know, so just, I mean, I think changing that mindset and teaching kids how to win and how to expect to win when they haven't, you know, is, is tough, but you know, you just keep believing in them and keep making sure they believe in themselves and just keep building and building and building and, you know, eventually it comes and you get the right kids in and you get the right staff around you. And, you know, we're, we're kind of living in that right now. How much of coaching is, it's, it's, it's a mindset, right? I mean, you were, you've been such a successful player from your time at Haver to Washington, where you're an all conference player and so on and so forth. When you bring that sort of experience, that is that winning mindset, that expectation of winning to a place that doesn't have that. How do you express that? Well, it's tough. You know, you have to get the kids buy-in. And like I said, fortunately, you know, a lot of the kids that we we inherited, I mean, we had, I think, five freshmen that year. So they weren't used to losing. They didn't really know. And then we went out and recruited uh, a bunch of winners, you know, kids who had come from winning programs. Um, One of the biggest things, and and I'm sure you'll you'll be talking about our different players, but Caitlin Malvar, starting point guard, you know, she's a kid that ended up transferring with us from Puget Sound, I think, which – um, you know, speaks volumes of, of just her mentality and, and what type of program she wanted to be a part of. Um, but, you know, for us, we just needed to go out and recruit kids that knew how to win and really try to change the mindset of those that had been in the program. Um, and you just give them opportunities to have success. And we did a lot of team building, a lot of team bonding, um, and really getting them to understand how significant culture is to winning a championship. You yourself, all you did was win during your career as a player. And then at Puget Sound, 130 and 58, won almost 70% of your games. Your last year there, you went 16 and 0 in league play. So then having to come in at the ground floor, like you're talking about, and, and, you know, win 33% of the timeout, I mean, that must have been excruciating for a competitor like yourself. It, it was tough. I think we lost more games my first year than I did my last four years combined at Puget Sound. But, <laughs> wow. you know, I knew, yeah, I knew that what the job was coming in. And I knew that, you know, for me to be able to get into the division one, it was going to probably have to be a program that, that needed rebuilt. And I felt confident that, you know, having learned so much in my years at Puget Sound that I could come in and, and really try to change the culture. And, you know, I, I knew we had all the pieces. Um, and fortunately, you know, it's, it's led us to this point right now. Haver, Montana native, that's the number one reason we wanted to have you on the show because, I mean, if you grow up in Haver, you're just inherently tough. You haven't blown off the face of the earth yet with all the wind out there. <laughs> or survived the 60 below weather with a windshield. <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget it. I went on a football visit when I was coming out of high school to Montana State Northern, and we get in the truck afterwards. My dad says, "You do you want to go there? And I said, man, I don't know. And he said, I, I don't either. I don't know if you could survive. So if you survive a winter in Haver, you are tough for sure. But then your great career at the University of Washington, and now here you are back in the Big Sky Conference, and you'll make a return trip to the state, playing in Missoula on Thursday and playing in Bozeman on Saturday. So what do you anticipate that to be like? I know you've done it before, but now you're coming back with more uh, ammunition, so to speak, with a, a much more competitive team. So what's it like for you when you play back in Montana? Yeah, it's great. You know, I have family and, and friends in the stands. Um, but obviously tough places to play. I grew up watching those teams, being recruited by those teams, knowing how solid of, of programs they both have. Um, 
it's a it's an incredibly tough road trip for us, especially right now. You know, it's going to really test our our team's resilience and our team's mental toughness because um, it's a hostile environment, which is the reason why it's so great up there. And you know, I'm just excited to be back there. I, I love going home and getting an opportunity to to play in front of the crowds that they bring in. It's a cool environment and atmosphere for our kids to be a part of. Um, it really, I think, preps them for tournament play and you know potentially postseason play. And so it's. It's a really good time for us to do it. And I, like I said, I think it'll show us a lot about our team and where we're at heading into the tournament. With the matchup of Missoula on Thursday, you got a Lady Grizz team that's scrapping for a, a top five seed. You guys are sitting there in second place, but I know you got Idaho and Idaho State nipping at your heels too. So what's your overall scout on the Lady Grizz and what's just the magnitude of the matchup on Thursday at Dahlberg Arena? Yeah, they're a solid team. It's so interesting with the Big Sky Conference of, of how the scheduling is because we haven't played them in literally two months. And so looking back on that game, I'm looking back like, man, I don't even recognize our team, you know, because we're, we're just such a different team and we've grown so much from there. And, and same thing for them. I mean, watching their most recent games, you know, it's two teams who are really completely different than when we played back in December. So we're excited about it. I mean, they're a solid team. They've, they've got some big wins. They're, you know, playing, I think, at a pretty high level. Um, so it's going to be a, a very challenging game, but we just need to come in and play the way we're capable of and if we do that i feel like we'll have a great opportunity and obviously montana state they're playing at an incredibly high level right now um you know i think they said that senior night for them they have like seven seniors so um you know they they have such an experienced squad and so we're gonna have to be at our best this weekend to to come away with one or two victories well, Laurie, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show. We're looking forward to, to watching your team play these next couple of nights and obviously on uh, to Boise as well. We appreciate that very much. Best of luck, and we'll see you soon, okay? Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate it. You bet. Laurie Payne, head coach of the Northern Arizona women's basketball team again, NAU, playing in the state of Montana uh, this swing Thursday night in Missoula, Saturday in Bozeman. Quick break. On the other side, Cam Strong captain of the Dartmouth hockey team from Billings, Montana. All the Montana connections, all roads flow through the 406. Talk with Cam Strong right after this. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. They got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. We uh, have been looking to find athletes, people who are playing uh, sports at a high level around the nation with ties to the state of Montana. And we're happy to be joined by one such individual right now, the captain of the Dartmouth hockey team from Billings, Montana, Cam Strong. Cam, thanks so much for being with us. How are you doing? 
Hey, guys, I'm doing very well. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, we're certainly happy to have you here. We appreciate it very much. You know, I find it interesting in in, uh, in Missoula, and I think in Montana at large right now, that hockey is growing, especially in a recreational level. But when you talk about hockey as a, a sport that's played in a state, even though Montana's cold and in some places flat, it's not like it is in Minnesota and Wisconsin and Michigan, right? How did you get into hockey coming from Billings? Right. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. Um, you know, I grew up playing in Billings, uh, just playing a hockey there, and um, just kind of got into it from uh, my parents. They took me to the Billings Bulls games when I was younger. Um, always enjoyed going to those, and then got the opportunity to start playing hockey at about five years old, and uh, just loved it. And uh, you're right, uh, hockey's definitely bigger in other states, and sometimes you don't really realize that until you, until you get out and see that. And I was uh, fortunate enough to um, be able to, you know, travel up to Canada um, and even across the U.S. to play hockey when I was younger. So um, definitely opened up my eyes. It kind of puts things in perspective that, you know, there's there's higher levels out there, and uh, that's what kind of put me put that in my mind that I want to maybe you know shoot for the stars here and try to play at uh, the highest level of college hockey. What does it take? I mean, how much of an investment, both just financially as well as physically, did it take for you to get seen and get recruited at a high level like Dartmouth and, you know, to kind of be one of the guys that made it out of the state to play hockey at a high level? Right, yeah, uh, it takes a ton of sacrifice, that's for sure. Um, I set my mind to it when I was probably 10, 12 years old, between that, those ages, um, that I really wanted to do this. So I really committed my entire life to it. And uh, had a ton of support from my family, and that's that was a big thing. Is uh, my mom, my dad, my sisters, uh, and all my family just supported me um, all the way because uh, I had to leave home at a young age. I actually left at 14 years old the first time I left to play um, hockey out of state, um, and you know that wasn't easy on me or them, um, but they definitely supported me through that. And uh, yeah, just a lot of hard work, dedication. Um, you know, there's ups and downs through it all, so it's just being able to kind of persevere, persevere through the hard times and, uh, you know, enjoy the good moments. And, um, yeah, I'm really happy with how it turned out. Cam Strong joining us. He's an alternate captain for the Dartmouth hockey team. And, uh, you know, I'm interested in this, too, because, I mean, obviously the, the Ivy League has really good hockey in it, uh, and nationally elite hockey, yeah. but also, as, as I understand it, nationally elite academics as well. What's <laughs> it like to, to be playing hockey and doing that, but also with, with that sort of academic rigor that you, that's demanded of you? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's very difficult uh, balancing, you know, athletics and academics is never an easy challenge, but when it's at a you know, Ivy League school like this, um, and the Division One level of athletics, uh, it's very tough. Uh, it's very demanding every day. And I think for the first, for the good part of my first two years here, it was just learning how to optimally deliver on those competing commitments, you know. So, um, but I think I've been able to do that and uh, been able to thrive here. It's been fun. Um, but, you know, I had my eyes on the Ivy League before I was even considering playing hockey in college. I just, you know, I wanted to go to a good school, get a great education. I felt I could do it. Um, and then when I was doing my research, I, I did see that, you know, there's some good high-level hockey teams in the Ivy League. I mean, Harvard and Yale and uh, Cornell, they're always top teams every year. Um, we've had some success, too. So um, I, think it'd be a gr- I thought it would be a great spot to kind of get the best of both worlds there with hockey and uh, academics. What is the most challenging part about being a student-athlete in an Ivy League school? Um, kind of just like I said, it's, it's you know, just balancing everything because a lot of times you have conflicts, you know, and that's never easy having to choose between two things and 
you know, they always say that academics comes first, and that's usually the case. But, you know, you often miss, miss days of class for being on the road um, for games. Nothing you can do about that. But you have to just kind of work, work it out with the professors, um, you know, change, change the schedule a bit. Um, so I think that's probably the, the hardest thing. Um, and uh, definitely getting sleep is tough, too. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Well, do I have this right? You're the first guy from Montana to play ho- hockey at Dartmouth. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. So does that kind of, I mean, what, what do your teammates think of that? Because, I mean, as guys, Ryan and I both grew up in Montana, and, and as we've grown up and, and spread our wings and gone other places and then returned home to Montana, when you're from Montana, if people have never been here before, they treat you like it's some sort of novelty, like you're from a foreign country or something like that. Do you take great pride yeah. in being from Montana? What's it been like is living on the East Coast like you do having grown up in the Treasure State? Yeah, I, t- I take a ton of pride in it. And, uh, yeah, the, the guys on my team definitely, they, they, I don't think any of them played with anybody from Montana before they got here. You know, everyone's kind of from the from the Northeast or up in Canada um, or the Midwest, you know. So uh, they don't see, you don't see Montana a lot. And uh, they were definitely, you know, they definitely weren't expecting that. But um, they've been b- very welcoming. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of always been like that. And when I was playing, Junior hockey, I was in Kansas. Um, that was different for me, and you know, playing with players from Michigan and Minnesota and Massachusetts, um, stuff like that. So, um, but you know, it's been a, just a great experience, like getting to move uh, further and further east, getting out, uh, you know, seeing the country, and uh, it's been a great experience. Cam Strong joining us. He's a captain on the Dartmouth hockey team. They're 12 and 11 and 4 on the season right now, playing Union on Friday on ESPN Plus. Now, I'm I'm going to just display my ignorance here and ask you this question, but I'm okay with that. You played a lot as a freshman. In fact, I think in every game uh, as a freshman at Dartmouth, and I think we're the rookie of the year, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, a couple of years back. Does that happen normally, or is is hockey still a sport in college where it's normally maybe a red shirt? You take a couple of years before you're seeing a lot of ice time. Like, what is the what? How, how does the progression work out as usual? Um, I wouldn't say there's a, a, a typical progression. It kind of depends and it varies really, but um, for me, it was just. You know, I knew it was going to be an excellent, excellent opportunity to play my freshman year because they were bringing in a, a big class. Um, they graduated a big class before us, so we knew there'd be opportunities to play. And yeah, I was fortunate enough to play almost every game. Um, and you know, in hockey, there's not don't, you don't typically see red shirts. Uh, that's pretty much the um, why they have junior hockey. Yeah, um, which is for the you know ages like 18 to 20, where you can take some gap years and develop your game a bit, which is what I did. Um, so you're, you're typically ready to go when you get there. And then it's just a matter of, you know, earning, earning the spot on the roster. And, um, yeah, we've, we've seen quite a bit of freshmen, you know, make big impacts in our lineup, uh, in my four years here. So it's, it's, it's awesome. It's actually awesome. You know, I've gotten to play over a hundred games, so it's been great. Cam, last thing for you. What are you studying at Dartmouth? You're a senior now. What are you into? Well, I'm studying engineering sciences. Um, it's a, I'm getting a cross disciplinary degree in that field. Uh, it's been it's been very interesting. Um, for the first two years, I was just working on the prereqs, and I wasn't sure I was going to be cut out for it. But uh, once I got into the core courses of the engineering major, I've really enjoyed it, and uh, I've kind of had a mechanical engineering focus. Um, so that could be an option for me down the road to you know pursue that career. Um, but yeah, it's just the, the all the classes here are so interesting, and it's been it's been amazing to have this opportunity to go here.
Well, hockey's all about angles, so I assume that that's helpful mm-hmm. at some level. You know, thirty-eight degrees. That's the that's that's <laughs> what I got to shoot at here. And then you you know you put the biscuit in the basket, as they say. Have you heard that term before? I don't want to do you too bet. much hockey speak to you. You know. Oh, uh, you bet. Yeah. Cam, hey man, we really appreciate you being here. This was fun to have you on. Uh, keep going, you know. Congratulations on all the things you've done already, and and uh, enjoy this last run here, your senior season at Dartmouth and and beyond. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Will do, guys. Thanks for having me. You bet. Cam Strong, Dartmouth Hockey, from Billings to the captain of the club over there at uh, at Dartmouth. Pretty amazing. Cornell, by the way, is the number two team in the nation right now. If you're, I mean, we we're talking about. The, the the you know you talk about football and it's you know SEC Big Ten basketball I don't know maybe the ACC Big Ten hockey whatever North Dakota's in and the Ivy League right. and Boston College you know like those are that's the list man and the Big Ten right. the Big Ten's pretty much good for it regardless of the sport well yeah I mean maybe not diving back to the whole money element of course the Big Ten They're I mean overrated the, in baseball there you go <laughs> they are overrated there baseball. you that's go true. David tell them. Put him in their place. <laughs> well, that was fun, man. What a what a what a what a great kid and uh, uh, fun to talk to him. And you know, of course, it's an interdisciplinary degree. So that's what you that's what you do. Multiple things: poetry, engineering, and a little bit of art. Mix it all in there and see what you get. You know. What if he's crossed paths with anybody else in Montana? I should have asked him that because there actually has been. I, I I shouldn't say like a pipeline, but I know three guys that are around my age group that went to Bozeman High that then went to Dartmouth. All three of them played football. Well, so I, know, I, mean, I know that like schools like the Ivy Leagues, they actually like to recruit from rural places like Montana because they like to have this rich and all-encompassing campus culture, right? And adding, you know, people from big sky country seems like sort of a, a novelty. Well, it's also the converse because our dear friend Tucker Sargent grew up across the street from Dartmouth and went <laughs> to the University of Montana. Right. Wagons West. No Boys doubt. and girls, Larry Kristoviak. Episode 7 of Grizz Grace, The Coaching Tree. It's out tonight. You're going to hear a little piece of it right after this. Mildenberger Motors in Hamilton, family-owned for 65 years. Best prices on new and used cars and trucks only at Mildenberger Motors. Coulter, I don't know about you, but anymore I just imagine the internet like taking a walk in the park. What do I mean by that? Well, basically anybody can watch me all the time because I'm in the most public of places no matter what it is that I'm doing. Even if I'm sitting at uh, a, a restaurant talking and my phone sitting there, I assume the president's listening to me because this is the level of paranoia I've got. If I ever had a business that had to function online, I don't know what I would do. Actually, yes, I do. I would be completely secure with Blackfoot Communications because I know at least they know how to keep this thing locked, secured, and private for me as a business owner. Your level of paranoia is certainly concerning, but also in some ways justified because this day and age, you do have to keep yourself safe. We have electronic tracking devices in our pockets. We're on the computer all the time, and you never know when the bad guys might come to get your information and all sorts of other things as well. Blackfoot certainly has you covered when it comes to keeping you secure. At Blackfoot Communications, they do deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup, all of it for businesses across the great state of Montana. They ensure your company's network is online, all the time. Safe, secure, and running as it needs to be. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. 
It is time now, as we do each Tuesday evening. Tuesday's the day we release new episodes of Grizz Greats, the Coaching Tree podcast, uh, which, again, you can find anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Grizz Greats, uh, subscribe to it. Then you don't have to go search it. It'll just come straight to you. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, these have been getting you know more and more uh, listens and traction as we've gone here, and I think it's just going to continue. And tonight we release our episode, episode 7, with Larry Krasowiak, who uh, is... He is the most accomplished player and probably the most accomplished coach uh, outside of like Judd Heathcote. I, I understandably Mike Montgomery from a coaching standpoint, but when you take it all in, I mean, to go on to have an outstanding and and lengthy NBA career as a player, to go from the University of Montana where he coached for only two seasons but then straight to head coach in the NBA, and he's the only other guy other than Mike Montgomery to end up uh, having head coaching experience at the NBA level. And now, again, in his eighth or ninth season at Utah. Ninth season, yeah. Ninth season with the Utes. Uh, tremendous. And so we really appreciate him taking the time. I mean, he's he's in the heart of his career and this, you know, in basketball season and stuff. So taking the time out to do this with us. But a guy who turned the corner, and for a guy who never played in the NC2A tournament. Right. To come back as a head coach and go bull seasons and also be the head coach of the last team, not just from Montana, but from the conference, to win a tournament game, that was uh, uh, something of a redemption story from a basketball perspective there with Coach Kristoviak, Coulter. I was over in Bozeman this last weekend. I went to the Montana State Athletics uh, Hall of Fame inductions, yes. and the last inductee was the, uh, the 1985-86-86-87 Bobcats. Those two, that group of guys... Uh, they were back-to-back Big Sky Conference champions. They went to the NCAA tournament. And you got to remember, at Montana State, they've only been to the NCAA tournament twice in the yeah. history of their program. So yeah. making it that year in 1986 was a gigantic accomplishment. But they talked extensively about their record against the Grizzlies. I think that group of guys went 6-0 and against Montana. And I think Stu Starner had a little run where he, during his time, he won, um, I think, 8 out of 10 or 8 out of 11. And, but those guys, they all talked, when I talked to them afterwards, they all talked about how they had such huge goals to take down Larry Kristoviak. That was mm, the goal. Was mm. He was the monster of the league, the three-time yes. MVP, the dude. And they were able to get past him. And Kristoviak talked all about how much that had motivated him throughout his career. And it's so rare to be the player who's individually outstanding at a school and then get to come back years later and find your redemption. Get a right. second chance as a head coach, especially because at the moment, I don't think anybody expected Larry Kristovic to ever come back to Montana. He'd played in the NBA. It seemed like he was just going to be an NBA lifer. And then he comes back to Missoula and not only leads Montana to back-to-back NCAA tournaments and gets that monkey off his back, but also wins a tournament game. What a story of redemption for a Missoula kid. Chris Greats, the Coaching Tree Podcast, is brought to us by Mike Bryan, Gary Bryan, and Mike Nugent at Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate by Stockman's Bar, proudly supporting Montana basketball for over 50 years, and by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot is building a high-capacity fiber network to connect businesses and homes to the world. Visit goblackfoot.com for more information. Just to wet your whistle, here's a little piece from our conversation, Grizz Grace, with Larry Kristoviak. Larry, when you finish playing, you go into coaching, and you end up at the University of Montana, and maybe that seems obvious as a player there, but you'd been away for quite a while. First of all, what was the connection that you got to get on Don Hull's staff? And then secondly, why was it that coaching, which makes sense coming out of a playing career, but you could have done anything, so what was it about coaching to say, yeah, I want to stay in the game and do this at the collegiate level? 
at least for me, I went back to Montana, finished my degree, and I thought like I was going to get it, you know, into the real world. Got real estate license. I did an internship at Merrill Lynch. And a couple things I was really misled with is is you think you're going to use your connections in real estate and financial advising. Now I'm sitting here saying, wait a minute, what in the world would make you think that your friends are going to trust you with their money or let you buy a house for them? <laughs> you know, that's just... It's a very good question, Larry. Yes. (laughs) Needless needless to say, it didn't pan out real well. And then what happens is after you get away for a little while, you know, my heart kept tugging me back to what I knew and what I was passionate about. And I missed being in a locker room. I missed talking the game. And it really is the thing that I had the most knowledge about and that I missed the most. And so you reach out to everybody you know in the coaching business and, and you kind of expect somebody to hire you. And then you realize there's a lot of guys that think they should be hired, but you got to prove up. You got to be willing to work and sacrifice some things. And so the, the best advice I got, and like it happens a lot, is hey, you got, you'll have an opportunity at your alma mater to go back. And I think I made 12,000 bucks in those two years working under Holt. So you're, you're proving that you're not in it for the money. We had some fun teams at Montana and you get back on the court and that's what you need on your resume. You know, you need to prove if you want to move up the coaching ladder that you're willing to jump in and did that for a few years and worked out at old dominion for a year under Blaine. And I think one of the biggest breaks I got was, was uh, Bill Islet, who was the owner of the Idaho stampede he called and offered me the head coaching job of the CBA team in Boise. And that was the year we made it to the championship game that year. And then they needed a head coach at Montana. And one of the prerequisites was somebody with head coaching experience. And if I hadn't had that one year of head coaching experience in the CBA under my belt, I'm not sure that Marie Porter, who was the interim AD at the time would have ever hired me. So you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways and you kind of bounce around and, and chase your dream. And, and that's, uh, that's where I got that opportunity. Tell us about your time coaching under Don Holston, Blaine Taylor. What did you learn from those two guys? It wasn't anything specific. It was, again, it was all that, you know, Blaine played for, for money and, and there were there weren't any secrets. It wasn't like you know we were we kind of had our own language, but th- that was the way we did things. That you know the plays and how you played defense, played offense, kind of your core, and um, and that was more of the same with all those guys. That's what each of those guys learned from somebody else, and that's what I was learning from them. You know, I did have the advantage of playing for some of that too, so it just seemed really natural natural to me you know and sometimes as an assistant coach you you can be the good cop that was one thing is you you build a relationship that's probably a little bit closer than head coach has a little more responsibility and and pressure and so that's what i tried to provide for for both those guys when i worked with them there you go a little piece from grizz greats the coaching tree podcast episode seven with larry christoviak 
tremendously uh, uh, generous with his time. Again, uh, especially these, we've, we've talked to a lot of coaches who were retired and kind of doing other things, and uh, and now we're getting into the range of coaches who are still actively coaching, and so we certainly appreciate uh, and recognize the time they carved out for us, but great to talk to him, and again, that episode uh, I think going to be a hugely I- intriguing one, an interesting one, because Larry's story is everybody's story is more than quote just a basketball story but for Larry in particular the circumstances that he came from as a, as a youngster as a kid that brought him to Missoula originally to live with other kind of family members and worked through it and now you know the father of five with he and his wife in Salt Lake City I mean it's it's just uh it's awesome man and and uh, and and also an unbelievable basketball guy all of these bu- interviews have been so great but no one has stories about Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan. <laughs> right. First-hand stories. Yes, he's no one me. has those. Well, so there I was on the block with Shaq. Oh, really? <laughs> How'd that go? <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Right. These guys from Shelby, Montana. Right. It's amazing. But it was it was great to... He, he tells a story in here, okay, just to tease, about somebody coming from behind him and picking him up. And he goes, guys... That doesn't happen to me very often. <laughs> <laughs> He's a giant. And it was Shaq at an airport who saw him and came and like grabbed him and, you know, whipped him around or whatever. It's unbelievable. This whole series has, has been so nostalgic for me for a lot of different reasons. I mean, I first really got into college hoops when in the late 90s when Don Holst had it uh, going a little bit. And yep. I remember that team that won the tournament vividly. Uh, but I also remember you heard Kersoviak talk about there. There was so much, I don't want to say controversy, but there was such a huge challenge in what to do with, there wasn't multi-year contracts in Montana yet. Yeah. That was a huge issue for Pat Kennedy, and he talked about that in his episode. Then when they went outside of the tree, all of a sudden it was a disaster, yeah. and then everybody said, okay, well, we can't go outside of the tree, but we also can't hire anybody who's never been a head coach before, and it just so happened that Larry Kostovac had been a head coach just for a, one year, yeah, yeah. but it made it so that it was okay for the people that were saying that had to be a requirement, and... Who would? Who knows what would have happened? The University of Montana. Yes. Larry K wouldn't have come back. But it is the turning point, and now here we are. Seven tournament appearances in fourteen years. Kostoviak's the one that started it, or restarted it, I should say. Right. Grizz Grace Coaching Group Podcast, Episode 7 out now. It's brought to us by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot is building a high-capacity fiber network to connect businesses and homes to the world. Visit goblackfoot.com for more information. Also brought to us by Mike Nugent, Mike Bryan, and Gary Bryan of Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate and Stockman's Bar. Mike Larson down there at Stocks. Proud supporters of Montana basketball for over 50 years. I'm looking forward to re-listening to this one, man. I, they've, they've, they've all been fun to do again, but this one in particular I think is going to be... Uh, I'll get a kick out of it, and our thanks to Coach Krasoviak again. Boys and girls, enjoy your Tuesday evening. We'll see you tomorrow. Two Tell Nuan is ESPN Radio. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. 
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 